Global Business News 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Strongest gain in a month for the S&P 500 index advancing 1.3%. UK citizens voting today in a referendum on the country's membership in the European Union. UK law prevents us from reporting on voting or discussing and analysis of referendum issues while polls are open. But we are following all the action and we will pass along results with special coverage as those details become available. S&P 500 index up 27 points to 21.13, a gain of 1.3%. NASDAQ up 76 points, a gain of 1.6%. Dow Industrials up 230 points, a gain of 1.3%. The yield on the 10-year, 1.74%, down 16.30 seconds. Gold down 10.90 the ounce to 12.59, a drop of 0.9%. And crude, West Texas Intermediate picking up 2% today, up a dollar one fifty dollars now 14 cents, 50.15 on West Texas Intermediate Crude. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. It's pass, fail with the Federal Reserve stress test. Either you have enough capital to withstand a severe economic shock or you don't. That's why we're going to dive now into the results of the latest stress test just announced by the Federal Reserve with a man who is known for his top-down and bottom-up uh, look at big banks, their balance sheets, and more. Chris Whalen, Senior Managing Director at the Kroll Bond Rating Agency here in New York City, joins us now. Chris, welcome back. Good afternoon, Kathleen. So... Uh, everybody passed, though. Morgan Stanley trailed the rest of Wall Street in a key measure of leverage. What do you see in these results? Well, it's hard to say. The Fed doesn't give us enough information to really assess the tests in a, you know, in an objective sort of way. It's good that they all passed um, because of the, the obvious cost. You know, if you fail, you're not allowed to return money to shareholders. You're not allowed to pay the dividends you want. So it has a big impact on the equity markets. Um, and really, as we've discussed in the past, Kathleen, you know, bank stress is not about capital. It's about liquidity. That's why we had the crisis. And so these tests are kind of to make us all feel good. But does a bank ever consume capital before it fails? No. So the whole premise of the test is, I think, a bit misguided. And it goes back to you know, Secretary Geithner, when he first came up with the idea of stress tests as a way of restoring confidence in banks, um, it had an obvious political uh, utility. But the continuing stress tests that we go through each year, you know, frankly, are an enormous drain on banks. Uh, the senior management has to spend months uh, modeling economic scenarios and a lot of stuff that has nothing to do with running the bank. Uh, and so when you look at these results, you really don't know what to say because the Fed doesn't give us enough information to understand the tests and in particular, you know, to your question about Morgan Stanley, to understand just why it is that they did uh, less well than the others, you know, since they all passed, right? Chris Whalen, has the Federal Reserve in following the Dodd-Frank legislation, have they created this whole other industry within banks that has nothing to do with the banking industry or the functions that they provide to their customers or their clients? Well, it's certainly a big cost. 
I mean, it, it is a lot of, uh, of additional cost for banks, which comes out of the pockets of shareholders. And, yes, I, I agree with the way you characterize it, Pim. It really has nothing to do with running the bank. I often ask the banks that we rate, who's running the bank while you work on the stress test? Because <laughs> it's just it's board members, senior management, and lots of consultants. Well, why is it so hard? I'm looking at the, our, our Bloomberg story by Jesse Hamilton and Dakin Campbell, and uh, it looks at systemically important banks, so that's Wells Fargo, B of A, J.P. Morgan, Goldman, Morgan Stanley, City, State, and Bank of New York Mellon. And the regulatory minimum, for example, for a common equity tier one capital ratio is 4.5%, and then it shows what the capital ratios are. Wouldn't it be pretty easy if you're a big bank to say, oh, here's my capital ratio, boom, if I'm above 4.5%, I'm okay. Right, but you and I could do a very thorough stress test, Kathleen, with the public data in half an hour. We wouldn't need to come up with economic scenarios. We wouldn't have to employ economists and other consultants to work on this for months. Stress testing is about loss absorption. That's all it is. But, you know, if you think about it, when a bank fails, the only thing that capital really does is offset losses to the industry because the industry ultimately backs up uh, one another joint and severally. That's what the FDIC is. It's a big mutual insurance company, and the industry stands behind it. So only if a bank fails do we care about capital. What really matters if the bank is a going concern is liquidity and access to markets and confidence with a capital C. That's all that matters. If you don't have confidence, no amount of capital will save you. Chris, as part of this confidence-building exercise, I understand that banks had to project greater losses than in previous stress tests, including, what, about $113 billion in trading losses. for That That was for the eight largest firms, right? Yes. How did they come up with that number? What they're doing is they're trying to throw a severe scenario at the bank and say, could you get through such a scenario and still have capital left. Um, we do very similar sorts of tests on banks when we rate them. We look at a, a moderate scenario, and then we look at the crisis and say, how did you do through the crisis? Because that was a big spike in losses. It was enormous, about three, four standard deviations. So, you know, it's all fine, but it doesn't really tell me as an analyst whether or not a given bank is going to be able to do well in a time when investors get cold feet and run, which is what happened in in, in 2008. And again, remember, it's all about liquidity. It's not about capital. Uh, and with all due respect to my colleagues in the Fed and everywhere else, um, you know, capital has become the panacea. It's the thing we all grab onto and say, oh, good, the banks are safer. But really, market liquidity hasn't recovered. And I think what the Fed is doing here, Pim, is they're kind of talking their book because with monetary policy, we've distorted markets. We've distorted credit spreads. And I think the Fed is a little worried that once we start to see rates go up, you're going to see a lot more volatility. Well, now, uh, the Fed's talking its books, but the stress tests are the outcome of the Dodd-Frank regulation passed by Congress? Pick, Kathleen, the focus. You know, Pim was just talking about trading losses. Big concern. I'm much more worried about a lack of revenue for banks from trading, frankly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I get that. And we, there's a lot of still a lot of controversy over the the Volcker rule and everything. But it seems to me that the, uh, you know, the the Fed is sort of just going along with what uh, Congress wanted to see, which was something uh, something more 
really hitting at the banks. And anytime you turn on the news, Bloomberg Radio, Bloomberg Television, any Bloomberg outlet or read the stories, someone in Congress is saying, well, one of two things. Some are saying, oh, you're not strict enough and that's going to be a big issue in the campaign, the presidential campaign. Others are saying you're too tough. Well, look, you know, the good news is American banks are very well capitalized compared to banks around the world. Do they have enough capital? It's hard to say, but what I can tell you is that the approach of regulators is basically to punish the victims, particularly the shareholders, and hope that by punishing the victims, they're going to change the behavior of the banks. But we're not punishing the people who caused the crisis. We've already said we won't do that. So it's a very strange approach. You know, you punish everyone but the the guilty, and you hope that the innocent are going to prevent them from being bad in the future. Okay, that's that's a very indirect way of approaching the problem, right? Well, here's something perhaps even more indirect, if that's possible. Next week, the Federal Reserve will announce the institutions that passed or failed the qualitative part of their exams. And haven't the banks complained that the qualitative portion tends to be subjective? Is it subjective? You're, you're assessing management. You're assessing internal systems. You're, you're trying to discern whether they have good risk management. Does management know what risks they're taking? These are qualitative issues, and they're very similar to what we look at in the ratings world. We have the quantitative stuff, the numbers, and the qualitative parts are the most difficult to judge because you're ultimately looking to see whether or not the organization, the people, the systems can prevent risks. And that's that's the tough part. Well, then uh, let's step back big picture. Depending on who wins the, the, the White House and the congressional races, um, any chance someone would say, you know what, this is just too much work. Why don't we just make it clear to banks that uh, if they don't have enough capital and they don't really listen to their risk management officers and they get in trouble, we are just going to quickly resolve them and uh, do it that way. Would that put the fear of, uh, you know, financial regulator, the, you know, the fear of the market into them and you wouldn't need all this stuff? Well, I suppose. I, I think a better way, Kathleen, would be to force them to raise more capital, as, and that's what we're doing now do away with the stress test and simply rely on public data that investors can look at and understand. And then I think put a lot more emphasis on confidence, on avoiding fraud, on avoiding types of uh, events and, and missteps that cause investors to lose confidence. Because when investors run away from a bank, when they no longer will face a Lehman or a Bear or whomever, right, that, that, that institution can't function. doesn't matter how much capital they have. It really doesn't. At the end of the day, they have to have access to the market. So it's about liquidity. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, Chris Whalen is Senior Managing Director at the Kroll Bond Rating Agency. And the polls are closing in the U.K. in just a few minutes, and we will be covering it next. You're listening to Bloomberg Radio.